0: Welcome back to Over the Phone. I'm your host, Jack Kane, and today is a very special episode. It's marking the one-year anniversary of Over the Phone. It's just fantastic. I'm so excited to have a year under the belt for the show and uh, lay the groundwork for it. And I couldn't think of anyone better to have for this episode than this person because he was there from the very beginning, took a chance on the show, and I, I really appreciate uh, what he did uh, recording that first episode. of I'm, of course, talking about Jordan Goldberg. How are you doing, Jordan?
1: I'm doing good, Jack. Thank you for having me on, and congratulations on on the one year of over the phone.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah, I th- I think what what we've done in the past year is just is just the groundwork for something a lot bigger. I'm I'm seeing uh, just a lot more guest offers and things, and um, I think we're really going to get uh, up there in, in the charts maybe one day. But I want to ask: so a year ago, we talked about you know you you getting your pilot's license. So let's get an update on that.
1: So for most of the time, for the past couple months, uh, really after December, uh, it was on hold, just kind of finals and then ACT studying. Uh, now that the school's done. I'm just studying a lot for my practical exam, which for the private pilot's license, there's two. You have your practical exam, which you take on the ground before. And then your oral check ride is something you would actually take in the aircraft. So right now I'm studying for the ground portion of that. And then I'm hoping to take the test mid to late July and early August at the latest. And then after that is when I would get back in the cockpit and kind of pursue the full license at that time.
0: That's exciting, Steph. I know you wanted to talk about how uh, climate change kind of relates to um, certain things. And since you you are planning on becoming a pilot, do you see airplanes going electric anytime soon to compensate for climate change?
1: I think that airplanes are going to be electric and I actually have, from March 3rd of 2022, Unite Airlines said that they would buy 119-seat zero-emission electric planes, and they're going to be from the Swedish company Hart Aerospace. So I think that given that there's already airlines scrambling to purchase these aircraft, it's going to be a thing for sure. I just think it has issues. And one of those is obviously, if you take a gas engine that... Let's say weighs 500 pounds you replace it with an electric engine weighs the same that electric engine isn't going to have the same power output and that can be an issue so i think for time of flight that might be tricky or making it fully electric i think turnaround time too because right now if a plane lands it gets refueled and the reason it takes so long to get back in the air is really because of the boarding that goes on and switching pilots and flight tents but if it's electric, it might need 20, 30, 40 minutes, even a couple hours to charge. So I think it will be a thing. I just think it's going to take at least five to 10 years to really catch on start to influence the industry. I
0: know there are people that lobby for this, some more heavily than others, and they think that we should reduce the number of flights to combat climate change. Do you think that's practical or should be something we should work, be working towards? Or what do you think?
1: So in terms of actual pollutants, A figure of about 9% of carbon emissions might actually come from aircraft, which would seem very low. But at altitude, when these commercial aircraft are flying at 30,000 feet or above, given the air is thin, the engines are being able to be more efficient, and there's always these new advancements in not just engine efficiency, but biofuels and trying to incorporate some electric. So... I think the issue with climate change wouldn't be lobbying more for flights, whether it's reducing flights or bigger planes so more people could be on the same route. I think it goes to cars and you just have to get the gas cars off the road and you got to stop burning coal and natural gas or relying on oil. I don't think it just relies in the air.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm kind of um, getting to for this next question is, in general, how do you think countries should fight climate change, not just uh, in terms of aircraft, but overall?
1: I think it has to be first, obviously worldwide, but countrywide, systematic agreement of this is an issue and we all have to work together. So, you know, ride in the same car to work, public transportation. But the the big issue, and I think we're seeing it now with gas prices, which I know I wanted to talk about, is that people are dependent on these resources. The issue isn't that coal and natural gas, they're not renewable, right? So they're theoretically going to run out. But at the same time, given the consistent reserves found and how we can almost always find new coal reserves, It's unlikely we would completely run out of these resources in my lifetime, your lifetime, our kids' lifetime. But the issue is that if we keep burning them, it's just going to keep dragging the climate down. So that's when a country kind of has to say, we're going to make an active step to go solar or use hydroelectric energy or wind power. The big issue with that is storage. So right now where I am in a place like California, even if it's sunny most days, you get the sun and then at night, You have to find a way to store that energy from the day. And that's the big issue that a lot of companies, even in the U.S., are facing because they can get the energies. Just storing it for a long amount of time is an issue. But I think if countries make a conscious effort, then I think in 10 years we could see some very large strides to combat climate change or vice versa. In 10 years, we can see some even more um, dire situations because of what hasn't been done.
0: Now going back to you getting your pilot's license, and you're getting very close to that. Um, what would you say is your overall career goal?
1: For sure, I absolutely want to fly in some capacity in career. Um, right now, I'm just deciding between Purdue is my is my number one school. So right now, I'm deciding between doing Air Force RTC or just pursuing a major without doing that. And there's both benefits and negatives to both situations. One of the big things that's uh, interesting about ROTC is if I did get a pilot slot which is it's a very competitive process and program that ROTC has because that's one of the highest kind of sought out positions and that can be two to three years at UPT or undergraduate pilot training and after school you'll go to initial flight training where you'll kind of learn to fly for the first time learn to fly how the military flies and then go to undergraduate pilot training to my knowledge, because you couldn't necessarily fight at that time, you're not commissioned, that wouldn't count to your service requirement, which is about 10 years, which means for maybe two to three years of training, you'll have another 10 after that, which means a 12 to 13 year commitment after, the co- after college is what you're looking at. And that's a long time to kind of be committed to a very specific program or one aircraft versus the private sector where you could switch around aircraft. Corporate commercial. So I know I want to fly. I'm just deciding what capacity that would be in as I get into college.
0: I remember you were, you quoted somebody in uh, the uh, last episode and you said, you've only had good landings. Um, I can't remember the exact quote, but it was kind of comical. And um, has that record? Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was Chuck Yeager. It's a, I believe it's Chuck Yeager. Any landing you can walk away from is a good landing. Any landing you can walk away from and use the plane the next day is an outstanding landing. That's, yeah. I'm glad you remember that one. So, as um,
0: the rec- I'm guessing the record has has held up. <laughs> so far, I have not broken
1: a plane. So yes, the record has held up well.
0: Uh, what would you say is the biggest life lesson you've taken from training to be a pilot?
1: I think that finding what you love for, from being a pilot and knowing that I love it and it's what I want to do, but it's a lot of work. I think that in life, if you can find what you love, The money, the time, the effort, it's all going to be worth it. So I think that once you kind of find your passion, that's all you know that's what you need to do. Because any other amount of work in any other field would be stressful. But if you love the work and you love that activity. So I think aviation has taught me in life, if it's a lot of work and it's what you want to do, it's your passion, you got to go for it and it's worth it. Absolutely.
0: Going back to what we're talking about with the gas prices, I think we got a little bit of your opinion, but who do you think is necessarily responsible for the height in in gas prices?
1: I think it's a worldwide sanctioning. Um, I, I think that because countries are dependent on oil that would be coming from Russia and sanctions on Russia and banning oil, I think high gas prices are a direct cause. And even though we've seen high gas prices in the U.S., obviously, I know in Kentucky, it could be $6 somewhere. Sometimes California here, it's seven or over. But I'll just read out some figures. In Hong Kong, it's 11. Norway is 10. Denmark, Finland, Greece, Netherlands, United Kingdom, Spain, France, all these countries, even Israel, Germany, Italy, they're $7, $8, $9, $10, $11. So this isn't a... US problem. This is a world problem right now. And I think this kind of, if there's any silver lining to high gas prices, it's kind of a wake up to some people that depending on this one source of energy can just be detrimental to the economy, to the world, to personal finances. Obviously, electric cars, you're still paying for that invertly, whether you're paying your electric bill or gas bill for your house. But given the cost of energy versus the cost of gas, you would be saving money. So I think that this might be an interesting turn to see when this does settle, when gas prices return to normal, which I believe they do. I won't, I don't know when, but I, I do believe they'll come back to normal. I think people start to kind of reevaluate why it happened in the first place. And even without sanctions, I mean, when you're depending on one oil source or one gas source or one whatever, I think it's going to be interesting to see if this motivates people to kind of go electric or motivates countries to go more electric.
0: So what's the Jordan Goldberg solution, long term and short term?
1: Uh, short term, I, I couldn't give you one. I think that uh, given the conflict that's going on, I think countries are continue are going to continue to side with Ukraine. And then after uh, this conflict would cease or whatever the ending would be, I think there's going to be work that will have to be done in country to kind of combat what things have happened. But long-term, I think it's just, you have to reevaluate dependency in vehicles and businesses and kind of see we have to move on from non-renewable energies. We have to do that. And it's not just the economic side of, it's the climate side right now. We We don't know. We haven't found another place to live, even though there's been, uh, some countries or some planets that have seemed to either hold water hundreds of years ago or interesting discoveries. But as of now, Earth is the best thing we've got. So we have to take care of it. There's really no question. It it can't be a later put it on hold. It's got to be a now thing.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, that's exactly what I would say. And um, did you think that when we, re- we recorded that episode a year ago, did you think you, we'd be back here again doing it again? <laughs>
1: I had faith in you because I know how hard you work and I know how hard you like how when you're committed to something you're on, but I, I never, I don't know if I thought you'd have the scope. So right now, as of now, you've had people who have talked about hacking. You've had politicians, if it's running for mayor, just people trying to improve their city. You've had authors and you've had such a diverse group on with so many interesting conversations. So did I think you could get this far? Yes. With your work ethic, with your commitment, um, your passion, that was never a, a question of mine. But I never knew it could kind of reach as far as it has. And I'm really excited to see in the next year and the next year and on and on kind of how far it branches out. But so far, it's been really cool to listen to all the episodes and get all the different information. It's It's been a lot of fun. I imagine it's been a wild ride for you.
0: Definitely. It, it's, um, I do the interviews, but like, Uh, It's really about the people that come on and and focusing on them. And I honestly didn't think you'd make it this far, or like how how many people I met through this process and everything. And I I really appreciate you for really saying, let's do this. You know, I I really appreciate that. So I got to ask, what would you say is your favorite episode so far? I think the
1: ethical hacking you did was very interesting to kind of learn the other side of how doing something like hacking that might have a kind of a uh, cynical connotation, and then doing it for good. I thought that was very interesting, and obviously, to be impartial, I think our episodes are very fun, and I think it's also because we just dive in a lot. I mean, I think there's a little pilot segment each time. We go climate, we go future, we go past. I I just think we kind of have uh, each topic to talk about. So if if you're really into one topic or really oriented on kind of one focal point for an episode. You've probably not loved listening to me, but if you kind of like to bounce across the road and hear about updates and how things are going with the world or just new technology advancements, I think our episodes have been pretty good. So I will be impartial to ours.
0: Well, I, I want to thank you for obviously investing in the show, watching it grow and you know being a listener, too. Um, it's It's been amazing. And I promise you it's going to get a lot more interesting. I'll tell you that. And so um, maybe we can call Jack Harlow. Who knows? <laughs>
1: absolutely he'd be honored it's been a lot of fun jack and uh appreciate you having me on congrats to one year and here's to one more
0: thanks man well i want to thank everyone for listening and i'll talk to you guys later